I want to say thank you to our worship team today uh, for the songs that they sang of total praise. And then it was a couple of weeks ago, several weeks ago, I asked Michelle, could we uh, have that song, There Was Jesus, sung? Uh, it's such a reminder for us in the valleys and the mountaintops that we all are walking through. Just a reminder that there was Jesus. I mean, think about the words that they just sang. Uh, they said, uh, in the waiting, in the searching, in the healing, in the hurting, every minute, every moment, where I've been, where I'm going, even when I didn't know it or couldn't see it. For you and me just to stop, to exhale, and to understand that there was Jesus. So good to be with you this day. Uh, today is a standalone sermon. Next Sunday, we get into a series that's called At the Table. I encourage you to come back and be part of that as we talk about those that are around the table just for us and how we can be Jesus and see Jesus in one another. Uh, today I get to share the standalone sermon because I thought about all the defining moments that you and I walk through, all the transitions, because we are living in a crazy world right now. And so what are some spiritual truths that we have for us as we walk through this crazy world? Uh, all of us have those moments. I remember one such moment. I was in junior high. My two cousins lived on a dairy farm in Ingemar, Mississippi. And on that farm stood a three-story hay barn. The inside structure was three stories. And the only thing that was put in that center section was loose hay. Because there was a fan that blew underneath that hay that cured it and dried it, prepared it for the cows. The rolled hay, the baled hay was on the outside. But what it looked like when they brought that gathered hay into that inside structure, it looked like a giant, huge mattress. And for three junior high boys, that's all we needed. Because we had climbed up the rafters. We had tied a rope. And there was a second story opening where we could hold on to that rope and we could run for all that we had holding on to that rope. And we would launch out across that hay, strategically placing to the right place where we would let go and we would fall into that softness. The key was that once you ran, holding that rope, once you were out in the air, you couldn't return to the launch place. <laughs> There's a physics problem here that I haven't spent much time in, but uh, for three junior high guys, it came back, you would be about halfway up from where you launched. So we realized that once we launched, uh, we had to let go. And that's the way it is in defining moments, whether we're jumping out on hay or whether it's defining moments that we have in life. Uh, the first step is usually the easiest, uh, but the defining moment is not the takeoff. The success of the, of the defining moment is when you let go of the rope, falling into what is the next thing that you have for you, uh, letting go of security. And that's the hard part of defining moments in life such as a new job, where we might move, a new career, health issues, uh, graduating from high school, going from two incomes to one. 
the transition from uh, being married to single or from single to being married or the defining moment of loss of a loved one. All of those are transitions. All of those are defining moments. We all experience them. Some of those moments are planned. Others, uh, they take, take us completely by surprise. And maybe today uh, you're here and you know all too well about the difficulty of transition. Difficulty because it puts us in a place of vulnerability where we have to let go and we just have to allow it to happen uh, because we're leaving something that's familiar or we're leaving something that uh, is comfortable. Uh, we are going into something that is unknown. Uh, we're stepping into uncertainty and there's a sense of loss. And maybe you've experienced that too. A loss of place, a loss of person, a loss of position. And maybe you're just trying to figure out where do I fit in this world? As a pastor, here's what I've learned. Whenever we go through a transition or defining moment of any kind, I have learned that when we go through those transitions, it can either turn a person toward God or away from God. However, the foundational truth that we don't often realize as we have launched out is just how much we need God as we've turned loose of that rope. That is something that is blinded, that we are blinded to, just how much God is needed in our life. We all have those defining moments. And if you're here today and find yourself in any of those defining moments that you want to lift up in your mind, I'm so glad that you're here today because we want to help you through those transitions. But more importantly, God wants to help you through those transitions if you will let him. The Bible's filled with examples of defining moments, of de transitions, of life stories of many people. As I thumbed through, looking through, uh, I said, you know, Moses, he's the guy that can be a mentor for us, a teacher, because there's so many spiritual truths about his life that we can apply to our lives. Now, Moses didn't like the transitions he was going through because we all like things to be normal, just like Moses does. Uh, but Moses realized he couldn't help other people. Moses realized that he couldn't fulfill his destiny without transition. So we are going to talk about that in defining moments uh, that all of us walk through. In our current climate of today's world, in all that we are facing, what are some spiritual truths that we can apply to the very place that we identify today in your life and in my life as well? So let's look at it. Let's start with Moses' life. Let's start with his birth. Uh, Moses was born in Egypt. Uh, to be born at the time that he was born, at the place that he was born, it was hard. It was hard because there was a Pharaoh in Egypt who looked out and he saw how the Hebrews were beginning to, uh, to grow in the population and the many births that were, being ha that were ha happening. And so as he looked and he saw uh, how they were growing, he made a decree. And he said all the male boys that were born will be thrown into the Nile River. Now Moses' mom... Jochebed uh, gave birth to Moses, and she hid and held on to Moses for three months. Realizing that she could no longer hide Moses, 
she made a basket. And inside the basket, she coated it with tar and pitch in order to make it waterproof. And she went down to the Nile River and she floated this baby three months of age into that Nile River with Moses' older sister watching, making sure everything was okay. And lo and behold, uh, Pharaoh's daughter, the guy who said, kill all the boy babies, found Moses. Finding Moses, uh, she had compassion. And when she had compassion, uh, she took him to be her own. If you're into trivia, here's something you might want to know. Because it's in this story of Moses that uh, we have the first story of adoption in the Bible. Here's what we can't miss. The defining moment as we're swinging out uh, into the unknown is this. God is working behind the scenes to position and prepare Moses for his destiny. And folks, God is doing the same for you and for me as well. Uh, We may not understand it. We may not know why we're going through this or that or why we have to even uh, feel the way that we do in what we're walking through. But God's at work to fulfill his plan some way, somehow. Uh, And we can rest in that, that God's at work. Mark Twain, he said it this way, the two greatest days in a person's life is the day that person was born and the day they discover the purpose of their life. Moses had no clue why he was born when he was found. But yet, God was building in Moses what Moses would need in his leadership down the road. And Moses grew up in transition. He grew up uh, in a transition between the Hebrew culture and the Egyptian culture. Uh, Moses' name in Hebrew uh, means drawn out. I thought about that. Uh, Always being identified as a guy that's drawn out. Never fitting into Hebrew culture into the Egyptian culture. He's Hebrew. And and people always looking at him, uh, oh, you're the one drawn out. And he was living in in the culture of Egypt with all the amenities that Egypt provided. Moses wasn't able, able to drop the baggage of being drawn out. But God had a purpose behind that name, that baggage. So Moses would never forget that there was something greater that he was drawn out to do for God. And that brings us to the second defining moment we have in Moses' life. It's found in Exodus 2, verse 11. But later in life, Moses leaves the palace. He's a grown man. Uh, He's grown up so much that he's beginning to look a lot like Charlton Heston by now. (laughs) And Moses sees firsthand the persecution and the cruelty that's going on against his fellow Hebrews. And in a moment of rage, a moment of impulse, he takes the taskmaster that is beating the Hebrew slave and he kills him. He buries him. He covers up. And because of that impulse, it sends him on a run for 40 years in his life into the wilderness. Uh, He went from being a prince in Egypt Uh, to a fugitive. He went from a lap of luxury to living uh, there in the desert. Uh, He went from being a leader of leaders uh, 
uh, to a shepherd. Um, if you look in Genesis 46, Egyptians didn't look kindly on shepherds. They thought it was beneath them. And so he went from there to there. And we have to think, you know, in our life, what is it about our life that we think, you know, I really don't like what I'm having to do right now? Uh, I really don't like what I'm having to walk through. And so much of the time, we are like Moses because I think what happened with Moses, when he saw that going on against his fellow Hebrew, uh, that Moses looked to the right and he looked to the left. And in impulse, he took that man's life. And the sad thing is that Moses never looked up. And we are so much like that because we don't look up in the transitions that we're going through. We think we have to do it in our own strength, in our own power. And so we try to handle the situation ourselves. So can I ask you today, where are you looking to the right? Where are you looking to the left? God is just begging us, please, please just look up. Know that I'm there with you. Uh, I am with you and I will fulfill those needs. I have a plan for you if you will just trust me. And Moses made a costly decision at a moment of rage that defined his, moment, his life. Uh, here's a spiritual truth from Moses' life that we can just hang our hat on. And it's this. Even though Moses made such a costly decision, God did not abandon him. God did not leave him. Just as Jesus said 2,000 years from this date, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And God never left Moses. Maybe for our purpose today, it goes all the way back to what Jimmy and Candace said in the waiting, in the moments, there was Jesus, and for us to see that. A third transition in Moses' life is a, wil is a wilderness desert where Moses found himself. And here's a spiritual truth. Let's just say it on the front end. The spiritual truth is this. God does not waste anything. And God does not waste the desert, the wilderness. Uh, because the wilderness is where we discover the inner work of God in us. Discover that God is up to something in here. There is no doubt that God wanted to use Moses to leave the, lead the people of Israel out of bondage toward freedom. We know that as we look back in the life of Moses. But here's the deal. In one of my books I read, it said, God wanted to use Moses to lead the Hebrew people out of Egypt. But God had to use the wilderness to get Egypt out of Moses first. You can read in Numbers chapter 12. You find that Moses was the most humble person. Humility was not found in the palace. Humility was found in the wilderness. I think in my life, all the things I've had to walk through, all the things I've butted up against, all the things I said, I really don't have stomach for that. I don't want to do that. And I hear the voice that says, Bill... That's really not about you. It's about the kingdom. 
And as we look at Moses' life, uh, we have to ask the question, how are you doing with, doing with the thing that God has given you? Uh, you may not like what you're doing in your dream job. You may not like what you're walking through. But in the circumstances that God has given you, how are you doing? I think God wanted to know before Moses could lead people. He just wanted to know, can, can you lead sheep? And I think that's the same question that he gives to you and me. And that brings us to the next defining moment. That's the burning bush. One day as Moses was tending his sheep, he looked, he saw the bush was on fire. It was not being burned up. And the closer he walked to the bush, he noticed that, uh, well, something is strange here. And at that moment, Moses starts having a conversation with God. A conversation with God that was so holy that it tells us that he had to take his sandals off because he knew he was standing on holy ground. Here's a life lesson we learn at the burning bush. If we're seeing God and being attentive to his voice, he will be found. Jesus says, I will never leave you. I will not forsake you. As we look in the moments of this life, there was Jesus. If we are intent and attentive on seeking God, it's like God is saying, here I am. Hey, Bill, Bill, look over here. I am here. I am here waiting on you. The same is true for you and me. Because when we open up our eyes, uh, there is Jesus. And another moment of transition for Moses deals with his call on his life to go and lead the children of Israel out of slavery. God told Moses, I've heard my people's cry. I am sending you to lead them to freedom. And God sent Moses from the wilderness back to the palace. But Moses, in hearing God's plan, says to paraphrase, uh, no thanks. You may have missed this, God, but, you know, I took this man's life, and there's still uh, some animosity against me. And I prefer not to go back there right yet. And besides, if I do, who would I say sent me? And God said, I will be with you. Folks, just like Moses, when we swing off our platform into the defining moment, whatever it may be, when God calls us to something greater than us, in those moments, in our fear, in our insecurity, we as well look at the odds and we say, who am I? I can't do that. But God says, Moses, pay attention. I'm with you. God gives Moses a promise of his presence. Have you ever felt called to something greater than you could do on your own power? What Moses needed in that moment was not for God to give Moses a how-to book. It wasn't to give him a pat on the back. Oh, you're going to do so good when you get back there. What he needed most of all was just a bigger vision of God. God was telling Moses, I'm with you. Not being satisfied with that answer, Moses argues and says, who, who am I going to say sent me when I get there? And God said, tell, tell them I am sent you. God gave Moses his name, such a beautiful name. 
I am. It's the answer for everything that we walk through in the wilderness. Who's going to take care of me? I am. Who's going to comfort me? I am. Who's going to provide for me? I am. Who is working all this out in the background that I can't see? I am. The answer of our questions in the wilderness is just, I am. Moses goes back to Egypt. He tells Pharaoh all that God is about to do and what, God, what Pharaoh needs to do in order to fulfill the plan that God has. And Pharaoh says, no way. And God says, yes way. Uh, here's how it's going to happen. And through a series of plagues, miracles, wonders, Pharaoh opens his hands. And he finally lets the Hebrew people go. And it brings us to this defining moment. Moses is no longer just leading himself through transition, but now he's leading two million people toward uh, freedom. He's to lead them from point A to point B, a place they've never been before, a place they do not know, a place of uncertainty. And here's how that moment happened. After 400 years of slavery, the nation of Israel is fully free. But I want you to look at Exodus 13, verse 17. It's going to be on the screen. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country. Look at this. Though that was shorter. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. What an interesting uh, thing here. That God led them through, not the short way, but through the long way. Why not the short way? Because God knew they weren't ready. They weren't ready for the battles. They weren't ready for the Philistines. They needed to go the long way in order to build character, in order to build perseverance, to build faith. They would need all of that to fight the battles in the future. But for now, uh, we're going the long way. And as a, yet as they went the long way, we see one more defining moment. They come to the Red Sea. And the Egyptian army is closing in on, in on them, about to capture them. And it's really the first big leadership moment of uh, Moses because he has no idea the outcome. And God says to Moses, uh, look at those Egyptians. Look at their faces. What you see now, you will never see again. Because those soldiers you see will be toast. My translation. They will be drowned rats. And so, the spiritual truth for us today is there's a God who fights for them. There's a God who fights for us. The waters divide. The Hebrews walk through on dry ground. The Egyptians follow. The walls of water crush behind them. What's the phrase that we say so much? If God called you to it, He will see you through it. We may be in the middle of transition. Uh, we may wonder, how am I going to get to the other side? If God has called us to it, 
He will see us through it. Two years later, at the long way around, Moses and the spies end up on the promised land. And they're standing there. They send in 12 spies. Two come back. They say, we can take the land. God is with us. You ought to see what we see in this promised land. Ten said, oh no, their giants are too big. And it's just a matter of attitude. Uh, Ten people wringing their hands like Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh. Uh, We can't do this. So for the next 40 years, the people wandered in the wilderness. And it took that long for all those above the age of 20 years of age to die off. For those under 20 to enter into the promised land. The defining moment at the edge of the promised land. I wonder, folks, what is fear costing us in the promised land of our life? Where do we stand on the promises of God in our careers, in our relationship, in our finances? Uh, What is the size of our God? It is a matter of attitude. If there's one word that defined defined the life of Moses, it's the word with. God was with Moses when he was in the basket, even after he killed the Egyptian. He was with him in the wilderness, with him uh, at the burning bush. He was with with him at the Red Sea. Um, What is it for us? Do we see... There is Jesus. As Moses' story comes to a close, we realize what an amazing leader of people he was. And God didn't waste anything. And here's the deal in Moses' story and the transitions. Moses did not get to enter the promised land. And we know that he wasn't a perfect leader. None of us are. Moses made mistakes. We all do. Moses didn't enter the promised land. But right before, he went up on Mount Nebo where he died and apparently God buried him. We have these, this one last message that he gave to the Hebrew people as Joshua took over. It's found in Deuteronomy 8, verse 12. It's on the screen It says, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. In verse 18, but remember the Lord your God For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Moses' greatest fear was that the Hebrew people, as they went into the promised land, that they would forget the benefit of God, the presence of God, to hold on to God. The blessing of transition is this. The blessing is the awareness of the presence of God. Your and my dependence on God, that we can trust in Him, there is Jesus. 
On the flip side, the curse of comfort. We are seeing in our country today is that we forget God. Moses was like, don't forget that God is with you. And Moses died and he was buried in an unmarked grave. Fast forward. Let's go from Mount Nebo to Mount Hermon. Jesus and the Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John were with Jesus on Mount Hermon. And as Jesus was transfigured, they didn't just see Jesus, but they saw two other men with Jesus. Who were the two others? There was Elijah and there was Moses. Moses was in the promised land. God made good on his promise. The same is true for you and me. So where are you free falling? What's your transition? The spiritual truth for all of us is to apply all of this spiritual truth to what we're walking through in the defining moments. Loss of person, loss of position, whatever. He is with us. And there are 10,000 blessings that we can just shower on the Lord our God. Will you pray with me? Oh, there's Jesus. We claim it. We own it. We want it. We desire it. Thank you, Lord, for Moses. The hard places that he went through that we can have the spiritual truth because we find ourselves in hard places this very day. Let us not miss the story, your story, of what you did then and what you want to do today. Lord, you be glorified. It's in the powerful, in the sweet name of Jesus, I pray. And the people of Getwell said, Amen. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. These altar rails are open. I don't know where you're transitioning. I don't know the defining moment of your life. What are you celebrating? My goodness, bring it. Take off your shoes on holy ground as we sing together 10,000 Reasons.